Hey, hey folks, welcome to episode 60 of Biomast. That's 6060 as in the speed limit in some states back when I was 18, which was many, many years ago. We won't go into that. Uh, but we've been around for a hot minute and we're having a good time with it. So tonight we've got, uh, again, kind of a packed house. There's probably about 10 of us in the channel. Uh, and we, we've got a few of the CPM candidates tonight we're going to be talking to. Uh, as always, we have a couple of our regulars. Uh, that are on. We have a, a couple folks we haven't seen in a while, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, and we have a, a few actual kind of neat bits of news or you know, discussion points that we can bring up once we get to the general part of the show. So what we're going to do is, like we always do, kind of introduce you to who's all in the channel tonight and kind of uh, hanging out with you. Uh, and it'll be a little bit more free-flowing tonight. We're going to try to keep it pithy, though, and, and moving, and I, uh, I will help out with that. But we do want to get everybody's perspective in because we've got a, a really neat neat group in tonight with a lot of different uh, angles on things. So what we're going to do is start at the very tip top of the Mumble chat list, and then we're going to work our way down uh, in terms of the intros. So Iowa Bait, if you don't mind, lead us off. Hey, I'm Iowa Bait, uh, director at the Demonic Cowboys and writer for the Biomass blog. Outstanding. Bam Havoc. Hey there, guys. Uh, YouTuber, blogger. No one really special. Uh, yeah, how's it going? Outstanding. Catmark. Hey, I'm Catmark, and I'm glorious. So for everybody who is wondering, Catmark, Ripley Riley, and Aon Amati are all the same person with a voice changer, just FYI. Can um, confirm. <laughs> okay. And uh, Kane Sparrow. Yes, uh, Kane Sparrow, former member of the CPM and leader of the uh, Negative Feedback Alliance. And one of the most highly touted candidates for the CPM2 position coming up soon. We'll be talking to him shortly about that. Okay. And we have Mr. Lether. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm a longtime dust vet and a candidate for CPM2. Awesome sauce. And uh, let's see. Middle of the list, Sarai Zell. Hey, I'm Sarai Zell. Um, I'm a soon-to-be former CPM. Um, and a co-host here on the podcast. Alrighty, Pokey. I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and a co-host here on the Biomass Podcast. Also, you're a CPM2 candidate, you should... Oh, yeah, I keep Remem that. Remember to I, actually mention that yeah, you're running to yeah, people. No, so I, that, I am actually yeah. running for CPM2, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, it's going to start early. Okay, uh, SMB. Uh, yeah. Sir Manboy here. I'm a director at Molan Labe, a member of CPM1, a candidate for CPM2, and as of this week, a proud 100 million SP vet for Dust514. Oh, I. You played too you, much, buddy. I thought you had more of a life. My bad. <laughs> Scrub. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, for, for, uh, for life not found. Well, you know, I mean, have, having CPM candidates to actually play the game is kind of a cool thing, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Zarya. Yeah, well, hi, I'm Zarya, um, CEO of Outer Heaven currently, and also, like pretty much everyone else, apparently, uh, running for CPM too. All right. She has 5,000 hours into dust. That's pretty. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm Jason Larison. I'm with uh, OSG Planetary Operations on the Dust side, and on the rare occasion I get to hop in in the East side on Agony Unleashed, um, and I am one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and uh, that's about it. Uh, other than that, and even Agent Provocateur uh, running around the uh, dust forms occasionally. Uh, so what we will do is kind of follow our normal format, and we're going to lead off with a brief 
CPM slash Sriazel update. So it's not quite CPM related per se, but he's got some news about some things that he's been working on for, on behalf of the channel that he would like to share for you real quick. So now we're just admitting that the CPM update is really just your regular way to start off the show by harassing me. Well, it's um, the only way that I can actually get you to contribute because God knows you don't know anything about dust. All right. That's fair. Right. Um, so <laughs> just just quickly on the CPM front, obviously, um, the, the two big dev blogs uh, that came out this week are uh, most of what we've seen in the, in the background for the last uh, quite a while. Um, I'd seen screenshots here and there from, you know, going back. But uh, um, so I'm glad those are out. Um, I noticed there, there were um, some fun typos in various places. Um, but that was that was cool. Um, so the the big update though for me is the uh, the contest I started last week. Um, I'm going to announce that the winner was um, I I don't know if I can pronounce it. If you submit again, please tell me if I pronounced it right or wrong or how to pronounce it. It's Ailes Dene, A E L N S D E N E. Um, won both uh, descriptions for the podcast for the last two weeks. Um, I only had one other submission within the time limit and one submission after the time limit. So it's a really open contest. There's plenty of room. Um, there's there's also no limitations on who can compete. Other co-hosts, writers on the blog, I don't care. I just don't want to do the work, so I'll pay anybody. That there, there are a lot of ways I could go with that, but I do appreciate what you're doing, and it's kind of a cool way to get the community involved. So I do, I do ask that it, uh, if you do listen or you're occasionally a, a – a random or casual fan, uh, please you know shoot Sri a note or hit us up on Twitter or in game or whatever with a with an option because it is pretty it is a pretty neat way that we can uh, get you kind of interactive and involved in uh, what we're doing. And actually, uh, Zell has kind of got us thinking about some other things that we can do on the behalf of the podcast, some uh, community generated events, uh, and that this all kind of comes together with a little bit. Uh, uh, a little bit of watching what Aeon has done or Jadek Menaheim has done, uh, or even Victor Hadaf for that matter, who is, is one of my favorite forum death commando trolls. Uh, she would do it better than he. So uh, it, it's kind of interesting watching, but uh, this is our us dipping our toe in the water. And really a lot of it was generated by Sarai's, uh his idea to A, save him some time and do less work, which is he's always very into. Uh, well, it's, but, it's not even just that. It's it's that me we're trying to get that done, that, that actually slows the delivery of the podcast. So without having to worry about that step, I can get you guys the podcast that much faster. Do, do, you, realize, do you realize how long it would take. I, I tell you what. Look, look, he's got a it, ferret bowl. Like that's what his time's we, taking up we, with. You could, you could put random words. Literally, you could go into a random word generator and then type that up and put that in as the header, and you're probably okay for this podcast based on how focused we normally are. So, on that note, uh, what we will do, uh, and we do appreciate Zell uh, give us a quick, quick update on that, and we're going to kind of continue to extend this out and see if we can get everybody on board with us, but. Uh, we will move over to our CPM discussion here, our CPM2 candidate discussion, rather. So we've got two folks on tonight uh, that will be getting interviewed. Uh, we have other candidates that are in, but what we, we're trying to do is limit it to uh, probably two or three a night uh, so we can have a good uh, probably seven to ten minute focused discussion with them with uh, Iowa Bait and myself as sort of the proctors of the, uh, not proctologists, but the proctors of the discussion. Uh, and then that way we can kind of give you an idea of who it is that they are and why are they running and sort of the things that they're interested, or at least most interested in helping out with, if that makes sense, and sort of the approach that they will take with the community. So 
on that note, what we'd like to do is uh, invite uh, Saramboy, who is our current one of our current CPM1, CPM1 members, to step into the arena with us. Uh, so I'm going to ask a couple couple open questions that are kind of general in nature to kind of let everybody know a little bit more about SMB. Uh, and then we have a few focused questions that are a little bit specific to some of his activities as CPM1, or maybe some of the things that he would like to continue to work on as part of CPM2 if he's elected. So uh, with that, SMB, I have uh, just a couple couple quick ones for you. Sure. Uh, can uh, you can tell you us tell a little a little bit more about uh, why you're interested in staying on as a CPM member? Uh, well, you know, I just, I've loved, uh, my involvement during my first term. Uh, I love being, you know, in this position, uh, having access to, uh, the developers being uh, a person who advocates for the players. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Um, and you know, as a person who's a huge fan of the game and someone who clearly plays it a lot, um, it means a lot to me to be, you know, in, in that position and, and to, you know, do more than just play, to, to actually do something important for my fellow players and, and to also have some, some access. It, 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 you know, it makes it interesting for me as a player to not only love the game that I play, but to also um, have, you know, this amazing access to the people who, who make it and tweak it and, and uh, you know, and hopefully in some way uh, contribute to making it better myself, you know, by getting them the information they need from the community and also giving them, uh, you know, uh, good consultation. Okay. Well, that, that's a, I really appreciate you kind of elaborating on that a little bit because uh, it's obviously one of those things that always uh, gives people a pause when it's like, why do you want to run again? Uh, and, and I don't, I don't think every very, I think only probably like you and cross uh, and maybe Denny are maybe running again, as far as I know. Uh, so it's always interesting to see kind of how that works out. Uh, so I do have a couple questions for you a little bit. Uh, if you can briefly, let us know what you thought CPM, your term in CPM one was going to be like sort of what you thought you'd be doing or the type of impact you'd have and sort of what you've learned over the last year. I know that's a big topic, but it kind of gives people an idea of sort of, you know, how you've matured through the process of being a CPM uh, member. Uh, well, I think it turned out to be just about what I expected. Um, you know, we weren't sure about what Ritati was going to be like at first because, you know, he was kind of new and, you know, we were the new council, um, but he's been fantastic. Um, so I think it, it turned out to be what we expected, but, but probably way better than that in terms of just how much they were going to communicate with us. So we were expecting ongoing communication. We were expecting access, but I don't think any of us were quite prepared with just how gracious they would be with us in terms of talking to us and interacting with us as often as they do really almost on a daily basis. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it was just what we expected, but, but even better. Uh, that's just, that's my opinion on it. Um, as far as, what I've learned, um, you know, I've learned that there are definite limitations in your role as CPM. I mean, I, th I think I knew that going into it to an extent, but um, I, the reason why I bring that up is I think the community often wants to um, 
uh, offer blame or even credit to members of the council when quite honestly, we do have very strict limitations on what, what it is that we do. Um, we offer consultation, we facilitate communication, we, we try to make sure that the players' voices are being heard, but we're not developers. Um, so, you know, the direction that the game takes is, you know, that's totally up to the, to the, to CCP and the development team. Um, so I, you know, I think one of the things that needs to be mis, uh, dispelled is, you know, this idea that the CPM has all of this power or, you know, you know, sometimes a CPM member will get uh, blamed for something that goes on in the game that people don't like. And I think, uh, I think it's important to mention that because quite frankly, uh, no matter how good or bad your CPM council uh, members are, uh, they are not uh, going to change the game um, in any, uh, I would say, significant way without the uh, voice and the uh, community behind them, certainly. Um, so no individual member uh, directs the course of the game. Um, if anything, we just do a good job of making sure that whatever the, the community wants is heard, and then maybe the game gets changed that way. Um, is there anything else you want me to uh, expand on, Jay? That was a, kind of a... No, no, that, part question. That, yeah, yeah, I know, and I, I acknowledge that was kind of a uh, uh, kind of a big, big topic, topic, so to so speak, speak uh, covering, covering a lot, a lot of ground. ground. Uh, uh, so, I guess the the next thing that I would kind of uh, touch on, reference the CPM piece, is, and, and this is this is usually the where we start to get into the fun questions. So, if you're going to pick out the let's say the the two maybe three things that you think. Uh, you bring to the table that works very well uh, for how the CPM functions for the community. Like, what are your three best things that you're doing? Uh, and then maybe what do you think think of the things that you would like to do better if you had a second term on the CPM? Um, some things that I think I do well would include um, being highly active on the game, um, certainly communicating with a lot of players in the game itself. Um, that would also it would also be worth bringing up one of my weaknesses i think along with that is that while i'm highly active on the game and i talk to a lot of players directly one of my weaknesses is forum participation and i think that's a reflection of the fact that a i'm a huge fan of the game so i play the game a lot and b um i have other things going on in my life i have real life time constraints that contribute to a lack of forum posting but i do read the forum um, every day and I'm, I'm well up to date on what's going on there. Um, other things that I do well, I think I'm a good advocate uh, for the support slash Logi community in particular. I know Cross would also uh, definitely be someone who flies that banner as well or admit to flying that banner as well, uh, but I'm right there with him. Uh, additionally, I'm someone who has been a strong advocate for team deploy mechanics and also uh, seen faction warfare become more meaningful to the community. Um, so those are other areas that I'm concerned with. Um, and beyond that, you know, I think I have a lot of experience through uh, both my professional endeavors and through my personal life in terms of working on a team. So being on a council like the one we have in this game is, is very comfortable for me. I feel that I'm an effective communicator within the, within the council. I'm a very reasonable person. Uh, I take my responsibility very seriously. You know, when I was voted in last term, um, you know, I had every expectation that I would fulfill uh, my promise to do my job until the very end. And uh, I want to do it for another year. So uh, I hope the community will have me back. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to pitch this over to my partner, Bate, uh, who I think may have a couple questions for you as well. 
and we'll kind of uh, bounce back and forth for a few minutes. Does that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Bate, if you don't mind, you want to take it away, brother? Yeah, sure. So, um, Sir Manboy, you, uh, you you talk about team de- uh, team deploy uh, quite a bit. Um, what's the benefit to, to team deploy um, from your perspective? Well, I am a person who came to Dust514 directly from MAG, and I can tell you that um, – as someone who played mag and who greatly enjoyed the clan deploy system that it had, um, I can tell you that it, that it offers a lot of potential for strengthening the community, uh, making recruitment um, more important, um, making it so that corps go out and, and find people of all different skill levels to join their corp. I mean, I think right now one of the modes that we're stuck in in this game is that you only want to invite people to your corp who are going to have incredible gun games that are going to help you win these these PC matches that we currently have. And I've always seen PC in its current form as sort of a talent bottleneck um, for the slayers in this game. And really, if you're not, you know, one of the top 16 guys in your corp. Or in the top 2025, if you're not part of the A team or the B team, um, you don't get to experience PC really. Um, but now that we're going to have a new type of PC that's out um, that encourages corps to recruit more players, to earn um, more of these uh, command points, so that you know you can you can do more PC related activities, um, I think we're going to see um, a greater need for more players. But along with that, we need to see teams uh, practicing with each other more frequently. Um, I think Team Deploy offers the most promise, um, certainly in Faction Warfare. We're going to have it immediately in PC, uh, which I, I think is nice, but really it just makes organizing your PC team a little easier. But I think we're, we'll have the most impact, hopefully, if it does end up being 16-man in, in Faction Warfare at some point, um, we'll be in that game mode because you're going to see a persistent outlet for team-based play, which is going to allow all kinds of people to finally experience on a regular basis what it's like to play as a team. They're going to get better uh, in that format. And then you're going to see more and more, in my opinion, more and more uh, corps emerge from, from that experience with, with the skills that they need to compete uh, in PC. And then that again is going to make PC better. So I think the relationship between faction warfare and PC is very strong in that way. Um, so that's why I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of team deploy. And again, it's just fun to deploy all night with your, with your buddies and your corp and your alliance, or even if it's open to the public to just mic up with a bunch of people to coordinate, to have great matches that way. Um, it's a blast. And I can tell you, and I speak for everyone who came over from mag with me, who stuck around, you know, and playing dust as long as I have, that that is something that we miss dearly. It was an incredible, um, option to have, and, uh, it can't get to dust soon enough. Okay. Um, and for those of us who, uh, who didn't play mag, uh, who had that unfortunate, um, luck, I suppose, uh, can you explain what team deploy is? Yeah, it's um it's a system that allows uh, a, a large group of players to deploy with each other 
to act as one coordinated group and to have full control over their side, essentially. So you no longer have the problem of blueberries not listening to orders, not not fighting as hard as they should. You know, you're going into a match with people that you can communicate with, whether it's your corp or alliance mates or whatever sort of grouping that you're going to have, and you're going to make up the entire side. So in the case of Dust, if this was faction warfare, it would be the entire 16 players on your side are going to be people that you intentionally deployed with. Um, so again, it could be your corp, could be your alliance, could be whoever. Um, and that's going to give you a, a, a reliable set of teammates to, to enter the match with and to play with. And it's going to be far more coordinated. And I think overall it's going to be um, a much more satisfying experience for, for the players involved. Okay. Uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty good rundown of it. Uh, and like, like I said, uh, that is a, that's been something a lot of players uh, have been looking for. Now, I know that there's some detractors to the team deploy concept, and, and you are definitely, I, I think, by anybody's stretch, one of the champions for it. Um, what would be some of the things that, uh, that are the sort, sort of the, vi the legitimate concerns that people would bring to the table about faction warfare, or correction, team deploy in a non-PC environment? What are the things that uh, you think that would, be troubling to most people. I think one of the objections that people will bring up to the idea of team deploy in a non PC game mode is that it's going to make the situation much more difficult for solo players or for small groupings. We're going to have these fire teams now that are only uh, the size of four people. Um, you know, I get that. Um, however, as PC develops, and if, if team deploy comes to faction warfare, um, you know, the trade off was getting the six man squads out of uh, pub matches to do that. And I think what you're going to find is that you have a, a really a, a, an ideal situation for solo players um, that will now exist in pubs. And, you know, I get that people also want to dabble in faction warfare because of the rewards and because of the lore and all that. But ultimately, you have an outlet that is perfect um, in terms of it will, will hopefully will be perfect in terms of how matchmaking is going to pan out now that we have four man squads and pubs. And it's going to uh, it's going to be a fair place for single player or for solo players to, to compete. Uh, and that and in my opinion, that that should open up the door for faction warfare to be something completely different, to be something unique, which is a persistent team based player driven um, meta uh, so, sort of situation. Whereas we're not dealing with matchmaking that's that's meant to sort of even the playing field for players, but we're dealing with matchmaking that is a result of player decisions. That's a result of recruiting. That's a result of uh, who is the most ambitious in terms of trying to, to win in that, that arena. Um, one that is totally left up to the players to the side. But I am perfectly um, all right with with compromise. I mean, we've discussed compromise in some of the Skype channels. Kane can probably um, also speak to this. You know, if, if we had to do something where we had two queues come out of Faction Warfare, where, you know, if a 16-man grouping were to queue and deploy, um, they would have to only play against other 16-man uh, queues or eight-man queues or, or a combination of four four-man queues. If we have to do that, I'm open to that discussion. My concern, however, if you do compromise in that way, is that it's going to slow down queues for the 16-man teams in such a way that will make it so that no one 
will want to put together a 16-man team. So in, in my ideal situation, Faction Warfare is the Wild Wild West. Anything goes. Um, but in, in terms of the compromise, I'm open to the suggestion that, that we would have two queues, one that's mostly for solo players and one that's mostly for groupings of any kind. But again, I would I would simply be concerned with the fact that those queues could get delayed um, to such an extent that um, it would hurt uh, team to play. Okay. okay. All right, All man. Right, man. Uh, let's, uh, see. let's see, Bait, Bait, any, any last, last questions? questions? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, I had a, just a just a couple quick ones for you real quick, SMB, and we'll kind of go lightning round style. So we'll keep sure. it uh, really, really quick. Quick first thing pops in your head mind. Uh, what's your favorite uh, choke move? <laughs> uh, my favorite choke move? Um, I am probably uh, the biggest fan of the just the classic rear naked choke, but... Um, I've been getting some nasty gee chokes off lately. Uh, there's a paper cutter that I've been uh, tapping some guys with as of late. So um, that's sort of a, a side mount choke um, where I choke the guy with his own gee. So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying that a lot lately. But the rear naked choke's a classic, you know. So I, I, figured, I figured you were more of a cat-like cat flying go-go plata -go -go guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. All right, brother. I just bite someone's neck and do that. No, that's legit too. That that does work. That's that's fair. Uh, so let's see. We're gonna we're gonna kind of close this one up. Uh, this is a really good uh, really good discussion. Uh, now, what what we're gonna do is briefly kind of give you sort of the uh, the mic again. But this is sort of uh, your pitch of why people should vote for you. If you can keep it to about thirty seconds, sort of your uh, your sign off message as a candidate, uh, and then we'll move on to our uh, next uh, special guest. Yeah, um, I would say vote for me if you know if if you're interested in the things that I'm interested in. If you're interested in support play, if you're interested in team deploy mechanics and making sure that we get that right, vote for me. Um, and if you enjoy having a huge Dust Five One Four fan slash nerd on the council like me, then then vote for me for those reasons. I I love being here. I love doing it. I'm not gonna cry myself to sleep if I don't make it on CPM two. But I got to tell you, I, I really enjoy it and um, I would be more than happy to represent the community on the council again. And I'll, and I'll stay on this council as long as you'll have me. If you don't want me here anymore, that's fine. I respect that. Um, but I would love to be back. So thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, SMB, for coming on. And uh, again, he is going to be one of your uh, CPM1 returnees that will be running for CPM2. So uh, what we'd like to do is kind of move on to our next special guest, uh, the one and only Bam Havoc, who has been on the show before uh, a couple, three times, just like SMB has. Uh, he's a friend of the show and a, a fairly popular uh, YouTuber slash blogger in his own right. Uh, so what we'd like to do, Bam, uh, I'll give you a, a quick uh, a quick shot here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why do you want to be the uh, or why do you want to be a CPM2 member? Hey there, yeah, uh, as you guys all know, Bam Havoc, I have a very small YouTube channel and a rather small blog that I like to uh, post my weird and crazy thoughts on. Yeah, uh, I work in the uh, maritime security industry and I play Dust in my spare time. Uh, the reason why I want to be a CPM2 member, or at least go throw my hat in the ring for it, is because change is needed and I'd like to bring that change. Okay, well, that's pretty fair, man. So... Uh, what I'll do is I'll ask you a couple of kind of uh, basic questions, kind of like we did with uh, Sir Man Boy, and then we'll kind of uh, attack a few of your you know specific questions that me and Bait came up with uh, for you by checking out some of the things you've got out in public. So 
my first question is like you you noted that uh, change ne change was needed. Uh, what type of change are would you like to uh, bring to the table? Like, is it is it from the council itself, or in the way that the community is engaging CCP, or like could you elaborate on what type of change that you're interested in? That's actually a pretty damn good question. Right. Well, look, uh, Jay. As you know, I know you, you know me, I, I tend to push the um, the alternative theories. Uh, people, a lot of people in the forums, uh, some of them want to go this direction, others want to go this. I prefer to take the middle ground and push that sort of theory behind it. Uh, what I'd like to see change is uh, certain attitudes towards uh, the CPM and certain attitudes toward, from the CPM towards the community. Um, I like the idea of basic honesty and a decorum of respect rather than calling the people who put you into... Uh, the seat of a CPM, um, idiots and retards. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'd like to change with regards to the CPM and the community. Um, I'd also like to change uh, the outlook of certain, well, my perspective of it is that the forum is becoming a bit of an echo chamber. If anybody disagrees with, um, I don't know, any of the forum warriors, particularly one or two that I shan't name on this channel, this, this podcast, is that uh, you get beaten out by four or five other people and then harassed to um, an extent which is not right you know why do you want to create an echo chamber where your thoughts are you know um contrary to others and then if the people disagree with you you're then highly offended by it it's just ideas you know thoughts and theories they have hurt no one but okay. yeah that's just my crazy perspective of it respect honesty and um uh you know the, the willingness to work in a direction um, a lot of people don't necessarily have that um, besides that you know I'd like to I have a romantic idea about, about becoming a CPM too is that there's a lack of communication between the devs and the community and the community and CPMs and all that nonsense the idea I've got is that um, you know the CPMs constantly talk to the devs as far as I'm aware um, the idea I've got is that whenever there's a discussion with the devs you know put out a YouTube video describing if you can yes we had a chat today with the devs yes good progress a bit like sarazel does every week on this channel but constantly engaging saying yes we're working in this direction yes we're working in that direction um we've addressed these issues we've asked these questions so on and so forth rather than not not hearing anything from anybody uh, case in point look at legion you know the devs were all over legion they wanted our feedback we gave them our feedback and unfortunately yeah legion is no more sadly but you know that's my romantic one word for that nda no i get that i get that nda is there to be respected because you need trust from other the devs in the community not to break the nda but as I said before, in the line of work I do, um, and the line of work I have done, being in the Navy, having signed many bits and pieces of paper, NDA is is trivial compared to the stuff I've had to sign. You know, it's all about respect. It's all about respect. And yes, some discussions will be NDA. You cannot talk about it, but you can say, yes, we had an interesting discussion with the devs today. You know, can't talk about it, but, you know, we are working towards this idea or that idea yes it's this that and the other you know whatever if it's ratati if it's frame is it whoever you know talk about something to make sure the community knows that you are doing something rather than an empty cpm forum that that's just again my romantic idea behind it that's all no I th and i think that's a, that's a uh, you know that that's a fair perspective to have on uh 
on how you see the communication flowing, and and maybe one that I don't necessarily dis- disagree with uh, either, and probably a lot of a lot of that would resonate with a lot of folks. So uh, I do appreciate that. Now I did have a couple, just one one or two more basic questions. I was going to turn it over to uh, Bait for a couple. Um, could you could you tell us a little bit uh, about your history in Dust? Like you've been playing, I think, since open beta, right? Yes, uh, believe it or not, I was quite firm on my Call of Duty Battlefield 3 before I came across Dust, actually. It was a friend of mine, a guy called, um, yeah, a good, a good friend of mine. Okay, just leave it, Tabs, Tabs Jet, there we go. Um, Battlefield 3 Extraordinary. He actually uh, spotted Dust 514 first for me and said, uh, you know, come play the game, go Galente, you know, go big or go home. And I, I got instantly hooked on the game, instantly went to um, the Carbon 7, who saw one of my pathetic poor youtube videos and um included me there and i was in carbon 7 since so yeah i think it was about a month after it launched an open beta it was it was christmas time december whatever it was it was a good game i enjoyed it you know you could see it needed work but you know hey it was a good game i enjoyed it and to some degree you can still see that dust is a good game but eh, yeah I, i won't go any further than that mate yeah Okay. All right. Well, that's fair. So uh, what I would like to do is turn this over to my partner, Bate, just for a couple of minutes and ask you a couple of questions, then I'll have a couple of follow-ups, and uh, then we'll move on with the rest of the show. So, Bate, uh, what do you got for uh, Mr. Havoc? Yeah, just a couple of questions. Um, Bane, when you do play Dust, um, what do you run mostly? Uh, well, believe it or not, I field mostly heavy. I'm proto-heavy in almost everything from the uh, forge gun to the HMG. So yeah, I tend to run proto-heavy everywhere I go, be it uh, pub, faction war, or um, PC, which I've actually just uh, left the Carbon 7, believe it or not, and actually joined a new corporation and uh, having a bit of a blast in PC. The um, the problem is, is that you run out of money very quickly running proto-gear, or at least I do. So I have to run um, free suits, you know, the blueprint, the BPO blueprint suits. So with those, it tends to be an assault rifle, um, a sniper rifle, and a rocket launcher. So yeah, I tend to field those quite a lot, uh, almost mostly often, really. Awesome. All right, now let's talk about your YouTube channel um, uh, just for a bit. Uh, around the forums, uh, uh, you're known as the uh, as the chief tinfoiler um, on YouTube. How did, how will that affect um, your your campaign for for CPM? Uh, do you think do you think that that will turn off some players, or um, or do you think that'll turn them on? Maybe. Oh, I can see you can. I honestly, I can see way. Hmm, I'm rephrases. I can see why you say that. Honestly, I do. Um, well, your perspective of that. Yes, I'm known as Chief Tinfoiler, and I will stress I'm not just any mere tinfoiler. Supercap, Titan, Amarian, tinfoiler right here. Um, but it will be interesting to see how the bacon gets made, rather than just assuming the bacon is made this way, if you understand that metaphor. Um, a lot of people don't realize that my lately my tinfoiling is coming from a, a lack of understanding and a lack of knowing. Because I've got to jump to conclusions and I've never shot away from the fact that the conclusions I've drawn from what I've seen, read and and, uh, researched are leaps of faith, are jumps. You know, I think it's what been, I think it was four videos. I think it's out of the 60 I've done, there's four videos. So it's about 10, 15%. uh, My math is terrible. Five, six, seven percent, whatever. Um, of my entire video life from making videos about dust has been all about tinfoil. 
Um, it actually started when I, we first turned forward with a very good friend of mine, Booker. We were talking about Dust 514 coming to the PlayStation 3 and it being called Legion and stuff. Yeah, we got a half right. It was being called Legion. It went to going to the PC. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm no mere tinfoiler. I'm the biggest, best tinfoiler out there. I'm also a bit of a troll. I do tend to troll a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I hope it doesn't turn people off. But, you know, it, it probably will because people are people and they have their own opinions. And you've got to respect their own opinions because they can have whatever right they want to say about whatever they want to say, you know? Sure. No, I, I completely uh, understand where you're coming from. You, you said that you, you draw conclusions uh, in your videos. No, yeah, definitely. definitely. I have to. Um, otherwise, I'd just be reading black and white. You know, who wants to read black and white? No one. It's boring. So you've got to make... I say an intellectual leap, but that's not accurate at all. It's more of a sensationist leap. Um, one to sort of get people thinking, get people to interact. Because if you just read out a blank piece of paper with numbers and figures, people aren't going to watch, listen, and interact. So you've got to be a bit sensationalist, if, if I can use that word. No, sure, absolutely. But do you think that you... That... Do you think that you should be the one to draw these conclusions? Do you think that they need to be drawn um or should they just be left you know for no. either ccp to to answer um the, that you know burning question that's on people's mind why do we need people like you who draw these conclusions well again as i said before you know um it's just my opinion and nobody has to listen to it nobody has to acknowledge it people can ignore me if they wish to you know i don't make them listen to me i don't make them put me on a, a pillar, which a lot of people seem to have for some reason. I'm just a YouTuber, you know, I say what I want to say, um, and I say how I've got to this conclusion. And a lot of people say it's stupid, it's idiotic, I'm delusional. Fair enough, they're entitled to that opinion. Um, but the problem is, is that if you leave CCP to say something, they'll never freaking say it at all. Um, you know, I still don't think they've made an announcement about Legion's trademarks being dropped. You know, I haven't said anything about it because that's a topic I don't want to touch because I know for a fact if the Legion was um, launched, it would have been an absolute killer kick-ass game, you know. So I've left that topic alone. I've left a few topics alone as well. Um, and it's not just me. Um, so just cut the cut to the chase there. It's not just me making these conclusions as well. I actually talked to three or four other people and, you know, it's, it's kind of badgering them to give me their opinions and then trying to, you know... Uh, make draw my opinion from those sorts of ideas but ultimately you know I, I tend to ignore what they say and go with what i um what i tend to do and that is tinfoil and i, I won't shy away from it you know i am a tinfoil extraordinaire and that probably will uh kill my uh my willingness to become a cpm2 but you know hey three fought three fought <clears throat> sorry it's it's three it's four in the morning i've had a drink i'm a bit tired um yeah <laughs> They're probably just a whole bunch of random words just spewing from my mouth. So yeah. <laughs> no man, that, that's totally cool. So I, I just want people to uh, voice their opinions, CCP to see those opinions via the CPM. If so, whatever, and CCP to at least not necessarily acknowledge him because you can't get a dev to do what a dev doesn't want to do. You know, he's his own person. He's got his own script. He's got his own bits and pieces to do. And he has to stick to these bits and pieces in order to keep his job because at the end of the day, it's his job on the line, not ours. We're just people. You know, I, I understand that. I see that. But it would be nice for the players to understand where the devs are coming from. And I'm not saying back the devs up to the high hilt. Whatever the dev says is correct, no matter what anyone else says, because no, that's not the case. You know, people make mistakes. 
I've, I've made some serious mistakes on the game. I even admit that. You know, but I just want to see a bit more clarity, a bit more transparency. But that is, again, subject to NDA and subject to what the devs and uh, the community reps and whatever are willing to tell us. That That's all I'm really uh, out for, really, to be honest. Uh, you know, honesty, respect, you know, integrity, that's that sort of stuff. Okay. The uh, Now I've got kind of two final questions for you uh, before we wrap up. Kind of the, the, the first one actually touches a little bit on... Uh, it's kind of a follow-up to what bait asked so you, you obviously have a a certain public persona that a lot of people really see in your youtube videos uh, previously but i guess the question is how do you see that changing per se uh if you were elected to be a cpm because obviously tinfoil and uh pr- probably tinfoil does not cook well with being an a sitting cpm uh, but I could see you having a very, very good platform to reach into the community and let them know what's going on or, or what the CPM is doing on their behalf. Um, perhaps not breaking news necessarily uh, on CCP's behalf. That's really their job. But just curious, based on your your previous, previous public persona, uh, what would you say your, your approach would be as a CPM in terms of communicating? Well, again, Jay, I, I can see where a lot of people see my YouTube channel as a goofy, giggle, tinfoil, you know, drinks a lot, eats a lot of bacon. In the real lives, in reality, the real person I am is pretty freaking boring. You know, I said I work in maritime security, uh, you know, anti-piracy and all that jazz. I did work for the Royal Navy for 10 years. You know, I loved it. I was a marine engineer in that, you know, full bore. Loved it. Um, you know, those are pretty serious jobs, you know, so when you come to a hobby, you don't want to be the serious, boring person you want to be. You want to be a tinfoiler. Shit, a bacon tinfoiler wearing hat guy that says and does random shit. You know, it, it's a bit of a release, a bit of a escapism. You know, there's um, many, many ways people can take me what I say. And if you take me seriously in my troll videos and my sensationalist videos, well, then you're the idiot. You know, there's, there's some videos out there that I have been quite serious about because I wanted to know. I was adamant about finding uh, answers, and the answers I found and came up with weren't necessarily pleasing to anybody. Yes, it will probably damage uh, a lot of my, um, I say constituency, God, big words tonight. It'll probably damage my, my reputation being a tinfoil and my, my personas and whatever have you. But in the real world, I'm actually quite... Um, a quiet guy, apparently, according to people that know me, uh, you know, fairly serious in the job I do. And, you know, when it comes to being serious, direct and honest, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure you can stand up for that and say, well, yeah, you know, talk it out, think it out, you know, discuss it because it's all about discussion, you know. So, okay. So, I don't really know how to answer that because, yes, you know, my YouTube channel is a persona. What I am in the real lives isn't what I am on the YouTubes because I don't do those stupid gnarly things. You know, I, I'm just me, a random dude, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, th- I think that's a fair statement about a lot of people. And that's, you know, that's an, a topic that often comes up when people are discussing, uh, you know, video game politics for lack of a better term is how much like their public in game persona are they you know, versus real life. And, and, it's one of those interesting things because really all you have to go on most days is really what somebody shows you. And if all they show you is, um, you know, something that they take as negative, it's really hard to overcome that sometimes. Now I did have, so last couple questions real quick. Uh, you're, uh, 
are you still pretty much an active dust player still playing pretty regular because i know you play a lot of games and i've seen you cover a lot of games in other media but uh you're still a pretty active dust player correct well i'd like to say i am i do tend to play once or twice a week but the matchmaking has been so horrible you know you spawn into a match and you and two other guys who aren't in the same squad are faced up against six seven guys you know uh apparently someone had a match a few days ago and i'm like why wasn't i informed of this match you know so matchmaking has been letting me down lately and to be pretty honest uh, my playstation 3 has been throwing sparks at me so yeah uh, i'm not as active as i used to be i won't lie about that um i have 35 million skill points because i haven't spent a penny on dust you know uh so yeah you know <laughs> how was wrong to answer that question i played dust as much as i can as much as I would dare to, um, just that Battlefield 4, Battlefield 3, you know, uh, Destiny to a degree, you know, War Thunder, Warframe, and uh, World of Tanks um, does capture my imagination. I don't just play one game like Sir Mamba with 100,000 uh, uh, skill points, you know. I do play Dust, but uh, not as regular as I want to. I did attempt to uh, join a PC corp that plays PC, and I do actually participate in the PC matches. So... You know, if the if the uh, guys call me to do a PC match, I go do a PC match. All right. Well, no, I, I certainly appreciate that, man. So uh, we'll we'll kind of go ahead and uh, and wrap this one up. I really appreciate you being on and having a quick discussion with us about this. Uh, so what I'd like to do is kind of offer you the same thing that we gave uh, that we gave SMB just a little while ago. Take about thirty seconds. What's your you know why why you should vote for me? Uh, kind of pitch to the listeners out there uh, and then we'll, we'll move on to kind of the open open mic part of the show okay cool uh right well as uh, you guys have just heard me come make a complete ass of myself my name is uh bam havoc i'm still on the lot on the fence with actually applying for cpm2 or not but i'd like to throw my hat in the ring uh a lot of what um my concerns is about my channel particularly because my channel will be severely hindered by NDA because a lot of stuff I can say, a lot of stuff I can't say um, with regard to the NDA. So, you know, it's it's totally up to you guys. Uh, if you want me as a CPM, say so, and I will run. If you guys don't, well, don't, and, you know, so on and so forth. It's not the end of the world. There are many games out there, and uh, Dust is definitely one of them, you know. Well, that that's me, really. Uh, yeah, tired, drunk, and uh, want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, on that note, man, I, I again, I appreciate you being on. So, uh, folks, Bam Havoc is officially got his name in the hat for CPM2. Uh, and like a lot of folks, you know, we, we will probably withhold uh, any any serious commentary on folks until maybe right before the election. But I would tell you I've known Bam for a long time. He's He is a stand-up guy. Uh, and if you are interested in having a a regular player, you know, hang out, hang out and inter- and give your perspective to CCP. Uh, he is, he would definitely be one of the best. Uh, and I've known him, uh, outside the game world as well. And like I said, I, I would vouch for him being a stand up dude, much like I would vouch for SMB, who is probably, uh, you know, one of the, the most down to earth and practical folks that I've met in dust, uh, and generally in the gaming community. Uh, so you get two fairly mature guys that are actually uh, throwing their name in the hat, which I think is a good thing for the game. They have very different perspectives, and that's one of the things we want to show here on Biomass is how people can come from different angles and look at things. And you never know. You know, We've been pretty lucky so far with, uh, with SMB and BAM. Uh, I believe Aeon Amadi, you know, some mildly breaking news, I think he's been banned slash kicked 
uh, from the forums uh, here as late as today. So he may or may not even be eligible, but we do appreciate him coming on the show and, and giving an alternate look at, uh, at how he views the CPM and why he wanted to run. He may still be good. We'll, we'll have to follow up on that one. But one thing I would like to pitch out for all three of these guys, Aon, BAM, and SMB, they don't shy away from discussing the things that people would question them about. And I think that's a mark of uh, somebody who's showing some level of maturity and they're interested in actually doing a good job, which let's be real, that's probably more than a lot of people can say. So on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and hop into sort of the main force part of the show. And we've got a couple open-ended topics for everybody. Uh, what we'd like to bring up is a little bit of the dev blogs that came up, and you heard Soraya kind of discuss those briefly. Not a, they were mostly PC focused uh, in terms of kind of you know we're going to do all these great these things for PC. Here are the the things that we are going to lay out. No real hard numbers or data, and I don't think anything that they discussed necessarily was new or was a shocker. But they did have a firm announcement on team deploy, which I thought was very good. Uh, and you guys, please correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think it laid out was, and this is for PC, which they've always kind of had team deploy. Uh, they will maintain their 16 person team deploy mechanic, uh, that they already have basically, uh, understanding that I think all squads are going to be four or all fire teams are four personnel squads will now be eight. And so that would be effectively sinking, you know, building blocks of four into your ultimate 16. Uh, for faction warfare and pubs, they went sort of with a hybrid option of not really team deploy, but they went with making the four-person fire team as the building block that you sign in with. And I believe that you can also come in with an eight-man squad. So not necessarily team deploy, but they've made it perhaps slightly easier to coordinate your your syncing for matches. Um, I think there's a lot of debate right now about why they did it or what sort of what the logic was behind that. So what I'd like to do is kind of open it up to the floor and get your guys' reaction to either the de- you know both the dev blog and some of the team deploy uh, discussion that came out of that. Jay. I think you misinterpreted uh, one bit about PC deployment. I believe that they are opening that up for 16-man groups in terms of, are they calling it a platoon, guys? Something like that, Um, which is actually significant. It's a significant change because there's an alliance button. And that's a really big deal from an organizational perspective. Even even having 16-man for your own corp and team is a perspective. change because it means that you can look at the full list of of who's there remove anybody that shouldn't be there it helps a lot when you have a single person organizing the full team and they don't have to relay off of three four other people to uh to figure out what's going on the alliance thing is icing on the cake because that makes it so much easier to to extend uh playing uh, to your alliance mates in PC, um, as opposed to using alternative channels a ton all the time just to get people into a squad. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I didn't catch that part about the alliance button. Absolutely. And, and I can see where that would be a boon to organizational uh, constructs as you're laying out PC. And I, now that being said, I would offer that depending on how organized you are internally uh, and what your relationships are that you're bringing folks in, it's, I think that's. Um, I, I think for a smaller corp, which was generally my experience, it was easy. Uh, and I know when we marked out for for people, we'd send a squad over. It was 
easy for them to just basically lump us into one squad and then drop one of their guys in with us uh, to pull us into the match. Uh, I, I could see that being you know, perhaps marginally a bit easier now with a uh, platoon button, if you will. So, but yeah, d- good catch on that, Lether. Well, any any logistical improvement? I, people have find, found mechanisms to pull 16 people in, get mercs in, the the whole nine yards. But any logistical improvement helps uh, organizers stop paying attention to really trivial deals like getting someone to drop out a squad, go into the merc squad, pull people in, and make sure they have all the the right people. To and make sure they deploy to the right location. Yeah, they get to they get to focus on what's more interesting in the actual game. And this is one of the big uh, reasons why logistical improvement over time is a big deal because the more organizers can focus on cool shit, the more cool shit happens. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's fair. Just a quick question. Did they adjust any of the Warpoint uh, calculations? As far as uh, there has been no numbers in any of the dev blogs. So as far as we under- as far as we can tell, there's been no adjustments. And... Um, I don't think there's been really a clarification on it, but it seems like it's just big squads. So it's like a 16-man squad will go be able to go into PC, or a 8-man squad will be able to go into Faction Warfare, and all that entails in terms of scans, passive scans, uh, warpoint generation, etc. Okay. That's an interesting point of clarification we need to get. Like, middle of the list, L and SMB, can you guys... <laughs> if probably we had CPMs that, that could tell us. Yeah, actually, that is a, those are questions that have not yet been answered. I'm, I'm just as um, eager to hear the answers to those questions as well, because those are really important to me, too. Yeah, it's like really severe if they work the way Kane's describing. So uh, just, a, just kind of a, a, further, a further open question on that. Why did they not go full Monty uh, into Faction Warfare and pubs with a team deploy mechanic? Now, pubs, I can, I can to a degree understand, because that would... Uh, you'd have some corpse that would be put together solely for the purpose of, you know, like steamrolling in pubs only. Uh, but I, for Faction Warfare, I was less, I was, I guess I was a little bit perplexed why they didn't go for it in Faction Warfare. Was it just to have an exclusivity for PC or was there like a mechanical sort of reason, like a gameplay reason they were concerned about it in Faction Warfare? Well, I think it boils down just, you know, based on, again, sort of the modus operandi of CC Peritati, it's, it's caution. It's put your toe in the water before jumping in. Um, I, I don't think he is necessarily going to um, stick with eight and, and it's only going to be eight down the road. I think he just wants to wait and see. And then, and then hopefully we will get 16. And certainly if the community wants it, we'll get it because he'll respond accordingly. Uh, as far as pubs, Team deploy in pubs, I think, would only work um, if the matchmaking logic made it so that it only matched 16 versus 16, and you could Q-sync two opposing teams uh, through channels, through text, and through comms. I mean, you could maybe get it to work that way, but if you put 16-man teams in pubs versus uh, the general population, I think that the outcry would be tremendous. Um, but I think 60 man deploys have to be in faction warfare. Absolutely. That that's my, my ultimate goal as far as what we can do with team deploy um, for faction warfare. Eight is not enough. Moving the band-aid slowly only makes it hard more. Well, and cross isn't here and he has been, uh, this is actually controversial um, in the sense that uh, there's some people who are really bent on seeing eight play out, and there, uh, there's the other side that wants to see sixteen play out for Fac War. 
the issue that you know I personally have, I fall on the 16-man side just because I think the eight the restriction to eight isn't really going to be effective. We already have uh, sinks of squads of of six um, that that get up to 16 people in game. Kane will probably gush about in the next <laughs> next couple minutes. And uh, honestly, and, uh, when you're trying to sink. Not having the ability to just squad, uh, sorry, team deploy is just a pain because if you don't get everyone in the sink, you just uh, quit. Yeah, and that's usually what we do. It's, so it it's not going to the eight man squads is not going to stop sixteen man groups from being deployed into faction warfare into one match together. They'll keep banging their head against well, the wall until until they actually get into well, it. You know, I, I will say this in in the with the understanding that we have a a method of Q-syncing already it is pretty easy to get. I would say eight to twelve people in a match already. You can get six. You can get sixteen you, people into you, a match straight with reliable with no, no, excellent you, reliability. You can, but the the percentage goes higher when you're trying to get that third squad in there. It, your percentage of failure goes higher when you're getting them in. Yes, that's Just correct. For, but so we can already get two thirds of the way there fairly easily right now, and then. With some margin of error, you get the other ones in. My, I think Cap brought up a good point. Is I don't think anybody would disagree that we have a, a. It it is it is not good for the game right now when half the side leaves two minutes into the match, which is what we see happening a lot already, even in pubs, uh, and then picking you know trying to pick better opponents perhaps. But uh, we already have that. I think if you went down to just a factor of two, like two eight man squads trying to get in. You're still going to end up with a lot of instances of, you know, 14 to 16 man actual teams, so to speak, getting in. So if that were the case, why are we messing around with it? Just go ahead and put the platoon option in Faction Warfare, uh, which probably I think would increase the number of people platooning up. Uh, And there's some very, very viable Faction Warfare channels out there. There's almost like a little mini resurgence in Faction Warfare going on. Not only would you encourage faction warfare channels to to group up in sixteen man teams, it, with a broadcast function on the squad finder, you could literally have someone create a pub sixteen man team. Maybe they won't be very successful, but the number of sinks, as you would call them, this would just be sixteen man squads, would increase exponentially. I think, and the more sinks that you have floating about, the more good matches of a sink versus another sink you're going to have think the idea of somehow protecting people by limiting to eight-man squads is kind of uh, kind of a false starter because all you're actually going to do is you're going to be limiting the you're going to be increasing the organization requirement in order to get a 16-man sink into a match well at the same time and so that's going to actually decrease the number of 16-man sinks therefore you're actually going to have uh, small groups of players like random solo players more likely in this scenario to go against a sink I think, and less li- uh, the sink is going to be less likely to go against another sink in that kind of environment. I don't think it actually solves anything. So let me play dev- devil's advocate because we we've had some discussions that were really quite heated on this topic, and I it seems like everyone, including me, happens to be on one side of the debate in this particular channel. Um, we've heard a lot of concern from people about trying to protect, especially solo players, um, but even smaller groups who. Um, Interfactional warfare. Right now, we really don't have even the slightest bit of informational content that informs people that going into fact war could get you butt raped. <laughs> um, so, 
I think that there's a, a lot to be said on finding a compromise position that at the very least informs you that you're going into a to a mode where now we have eight-man squads that are probably going to end up sinking into 16-man platoons. Um, and even doing a little bit of protectionism. You know, there's always this dial in the New Eden universe. How much do we protect people from bad decisions versus allow them freedom? I think there's a little bit of an argument here for some protectionism so that people don't get in day one, check off that cool fact war uh, sounding thing, and then have, you know, uh, eight people with Victor's laser rifle, <laughs> three image mods, evaporate them within half a second in every match they Maybe play. Maybe we could, like, uh, require loyalty rank level one to enter factional that, warfare. That, that's actually what I was thinking, because uh, we already do that for player trading. Uh, that that would be almost like a soft a soft cap or a soft ceiling to kind of get people through. Sort of uh, you go you, almost like a graduated scale of getting out of the academy to you you get into the, kind of the shallow end of the pool and pubs. Which and let's be real, it's you can get you can get fucking you know curb stomped in there pretty easily too. Uh, but it gets you in the, into that pool of folks, uh, and then set it relatively low. Like, like I think loyalty rank one, maybe two, is probably pretty legit because it doesn't take that much time to actually achieve that marker. It's, it's enough so that you have enough wherewithal that you've probably linked up with somebody, in, like in the form of a corp, uh, already. Does that make sense? Yeah, there should there should be a notification. There should be a message. Um, when you first join Faction Warfare, for, like, there should be, like, a, you know, would you like to continue? Be like, Faction Warfare is designed, you know, maybe to say something, how it's designed for tougher matches with organized groups. Would you like to continue? You know, that type of thing. I think a warning, like, an emblazoned warning on the game mode, um, um, kind of like how you get when you jump into low security space in EVE. You know how there's that warning when you jump in? It Same kind of difference. You're like, you're about to, you're about to enter the Wild West. You should, do you want to continue? I ignored yep. that message and I got raped. <laughs> exactly, uh, and, and but it, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, like I said, my my puzzlement was why not try to go full Monty with it because it seemed like this was this would be one of the things that you would want to do that in. Uh, so, any and, other comments on that? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I would. I just would say like I I was in some Q syncs with with Kane and his crew the other day. And the thing is, you're not going to stop that regardless. Those Q-Syncs are going to continue to take place. Um, the only thing that you're doing by bringing 16-man groupings to Faction Warfare is, A, you're going to make Kane's life easier, and it's not going to be a pain in the ass because they're going to do it anyway, like I said. And you're going to make it more likely, in my opinion, that he's going to face adequate opposition because now you can set up teams through alliances, through even the public, assuming that it works just like any other aspect of Squad Finder, you can create a team straight from um, a, a public advertisement in the Squad Finder. So it's more likely, I think, that Kane is going to find opposition that um, actually gives him a run for his money if you make it full-on six-team team deploy, not less so. Um, and, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's going to continue to give people like Kane and other highly organized corp leaders uh, a huge advantage because they're the only ones that have the will um, to, to do these Q-Syncs. And everyone else is going to continue to, um, to be weaker as a result until they get a mechanic that makes their life easier. I mean, one of the things I'd like to, to point out as a sidelight is that it's, it's great to see people engaging with the idea that 
that Facwar is a good place that's in the middle between PC and pubs. It's always supposed to be like that, but team team deploy kind of opens that up a lot more. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of have been beating this drum for a while, and I. I feel like I should mention it. This is one of the reasons why I feel like rushing into prioritizing PC changes over FACWAR changes, especially considering that we were apparently able to get uh, team deploy in alongside the the PC changes that are coming, which is actually kind of uh, astonishing to me. Um, Especially considering that, I, I think that it would be great for CCP to engage in a dialogue, at least with the CPM, if not the community, about these kind of long-term prioritizations in the future. Like, because the difference between PC and Factor being good, it's it's not black and white. Like, I really think that, that faction warfare with the proper attention could be just as much of an in-game mode um, as PC. Uh, I think that's sometimes controversial. Some people want... Faction warfare. I mean, I was in. I even was in this boat at one point in time, where it was like my mindset was pubs, then you go to faction warfare, and then you graduate to PC. But I don't think that necessarily has to be the trajectory that people go along. There have been many, many great posts detailing how to make factual warfare a great endgame, but you know, they take time to make. Well, compared to PC change, which arguably uh, it's great to be seeing 1.2, and I'm sure that's on uh, Jason's list, but uh, the changes that we've gotten are exactly something that I've kind of recommended against doing in the past. They're iterative. They're, they're, barely, they're barely redesigned, uh, especially considering they didn't t- touch the timers for a PC, especially considering that they really haven't touched the tactical advantage of owning a lot of districts. It's all ISK-based. Um, and these were the kinds of problems that we knew would arise in a complicated problem like PC. FACWAR is a lot easier because there are a lot fewer degrees of freedom. So, Just make it happen, damn it. It's so fun. If you played MAG, if you know what clan deploy was like, you had the time of your life. It was incredible. I feel bad for anyone who, know, who didn't get to experience it because it was something special. And I'm, I'm about damn ready. It's about damn time that we get this in dust. I got Mag when he died, so never had to experience it. Oh, Mag was awesome, man. Now, that's what this conversation is going to go into. Should People talking about comment? how awesome yes. Mag was. Mag was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get on with Mag myself. I uh, constantly lone wolf it, and you need to have a, a team-based sort of uh, playstyle towards it. Never really found the right team that uh, could, uh, had a sense of humor. They're always about winning. Always about winning. Because they're not plebs like you. Exactly. Tinfoiling pleb like me. I know, I know. Didn't get on with uh, Mag. Got on with Battlefield. Got on with COD, but never with Mag, sadly. He yeah, said I, the C-word. Kill him. I, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've actually, I, I mean, the interesting thing about it is that you get a lot more horsepower out of the games with Battlefield and... and and uh, Call of Duty, you know, in terms of like, um, you know, they they're shinier, if if for no or lack of a better term, but they just they never really scratched the itch for me. I I, I was able to play Mag for like literally just a, a little bit, uh, which I thought was pretty good uh, for what it was. I mean, certainly it wasn't as you know polished or shiny as a game as some of the other ones, but it, it gave me a gaming experience that was definitely different than um, than the other games did. It was, you had to actually think, you had to use team mechanics, I mean, you actually had to 
think through things with a comms architecture, it was it was actually good. I mean, I enjoyed that level of depth in the game, uh, at least for me personally. I thought Rainbow Six was. I used to enjoy the heck out of that quite a bit. I played played that a lot uh, back when it was first coming out. So the, you know, all those things are sort of the the things that gravitated me to Dust. Uh, I think the only thing out there really that is truly a large, you know, quote unquote large scale you know, team-based tactical game is you're probably getting into like Arma, uh, maybe, you know, maybe the old, you know, Battlefront, so to speak. Uh, there's things out there that you can kind of reach into, but they're still relatively niche in terms of the gaming market. Um, at least that's just my, my rough experience. Battlefront is a goddamn huge niche. <laughs> Well, that's fair. I mean, it's still it's still a little bit shady. I think Planet Side Two is definitely starting. They're in the mode of like buffing a lot of the rough edges out right now. I've talked to a couple of people that have played it, uh, and they said that it is noticeably uh, noticeably better than what they thought it was going to be. Which you know, I can only say say from what I've seen on videos or talking to people i haven't actually laid hands on it particularly not on like a ps4 or anything like that so uh it might be interesting to see how see where it's going no i play planet side too uh, i still prefer dust but you know that's again just my opinion even with dust's problems i still prefer it i think okay. because i've got an emotional attachment to the game and i've always said what is it about this game that's that just makes you want to play it you know uh, that's you, you bring up a fair crack. point yeah, it, it, yeah. it is crack. It is, it is crack. You, yeah. There is there is definitely something about dust that hooks people pretty hard, uh, more so than pretty much any other game that I've seen. You know, Eve is very much like that. I, I feel like it's because it doesn't treat you like an idiot a lot of times. Actually, like that's a good that point. The learning curve is huge in dust, and once you get over that, it's, that hump, it's not even that. It's just, it's just, just great. I can't explain, but some games just make me feel like they drag me around the, I don't know, ear. What else can you drag a person on? Yeah. I mean, the single player, it's fine, whatever. I don't really care about the multiplayer. Just leave me alone. Let me play. Well, you know, I did, not not to derail, but there's, there's a couple things I wanted to, to kind of get into uh, during the show. Did you guys talk briefly about uh, the matchmaking situation or the perceived matchmaking situation? Waiting on you for that. Ah, you're a champion. So, uh, by the way, everybody, thank you for covering. I had a, had a ninja phone call I had to make. The uh, one thing I did want to kind of bring up, and it is somewhat, Apropos, because if you look at the little you know Venn diagram of all things dust, it sort of touches a lot of aspects. I, there has been a perception. I do I do not know if it is reality or if it is anecdotal experience or what, uh, but I know I'm experiencing it. Just a it seems like a really really rough time with matchmaking, and I don't necessarily mean um, you know stack teams on one side and you know random noobs unattached on the other that will occasionally happen i think anyway but the majority of the matches that i've gotten into over the last week and a half have not been full matches not 16 on 16 at least at the start and then very very rapidly they uh they devolve into something much small much more unbalanced than 16 on 16 it's usually like 13 14 versus 9 you know, versus 10, uh, which is a, you know, if you think about it, it's a pretty serious deal when you're talking about only 16 people in the match on one side or contributing combat power 
and working objectives for you. And for every one dude that you pull off and there's another one on the other team, it can quickly get kind of crazy. Um, or you could catch like a five point map and then like one squad on one side drops out and then a squad and a half or two squads on the other side drops out. And then you're basically, you're struggling just to find a red dot to shoot at in some cases. And I'm kind of curious, are you guys seeing that? I know that I've been hearing about on the forums and at least it's, you know, from my experience, anecdotally been, been occurring, probably not to the, to the extremity or the extent that you hear some people talking about in the forums, but just you guys general feel or thoughts on it? So, Scotty hates us all. Well, it, to me, the, the biggest issue is not necessarily the matchmaker, but it's, I think, the, some of the sentiments in the community. Uh, uh, people leave matches that they think they can't win. Um, yeah, but, and, but Kane, um, it's not even I think the... There's, there's a lot of people leaving. Yes, absolutely. That happens a lot. But that doesn't really address the issue that a lot of matches are already starting, not full. And I mean, if it starts 13 versus 12 or 14 versus 15, that's not a big imbalance. That's not really necessarily the contributing factor to why the match then ends, you know, 6 versus 16. But a lot of battles start without being full. Um, that's not just people leaving. You know, that's clearly an issue because it's not something that only happens every now and then. I would say about half the battles I queue into, um, when I spawn in, it's 12 versus 13 or, um, you know, 14 versus 16. It might fill up and then people start leaving, but they yeah. don't start full. I, I have seen that. The 12v12s, the 12v13s, the 14v16, like the 14v14s, like not quite full, but almost full. I have been noticing that. And you've been see, getting matches is... with 12 versus 13? I've been getting matches with like 3 versus 9. Scott there might be a time zone thing. Most likely, but I've played on the American servers and the European servers, you know, but set to auto, so, you know, shouldn't I just automatically go to a server that has my correct meta for my suit? So, uh, just as a note for this weekend, the American servers were actually down for about uh, 24 hours, maybe 36 hours? Yeah, I've been away for a month, dude. So, uh... Um, they uh, so that was also a problem. This happened this weekend too. That's kind of in in it, kind of on the side. In addition to probably the 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 guys the mentioned the problems that uh, you guys are mentioning. One thing, I guess there there are two things. One is my broken record thing about matchmaking not being the solution. But other than that, um, it that's that's going to be a little bit boring because obviously it's not fixing anything. Uh, hey. I think one thing to to notice um, is that is that when people load into these matches late, the matchmaker is relying on something that isn't happening. When it queues these 12 versus 13 matches, not only do people leave very quickly because there's a cultural problem, and I hate it, but it's clear that we need to find some kind of repercussion for leaving, um, even though I tend to disagree with that. Um, also, there's this problem where if I load into a match that's halfway done and my team doesn't look like it has... A close chance. If I'm playing an ambush and my my team is ten or more clones down, and that doesn't sound like very much, and it's not in some cases. If, if I'm ten or more clones down, why would I play that match when I know I'm not going to get a good payout anyway? Because I loaded in halfway through, and it's all based on your leaderboard rankings. There, there's no incentive whatsoever to play that match out. When you get loaded into a match late, you definitely, and you, let's say you get loaded into a match late and then you win that match, I think you should get a, a payout bonus turning around a match, especially if it's a, a losing battle. Not even winning, though. Like, there, 
I don't see a problem with them taking a little bit of liberty with maybe not the raw war point totals, but looking at how they're allocating ISK at the end of the round and saying, okay, so we're going to give you some kind of standard handicap for the, um, you know, compared to the rest of your team, right? Maybe it's not the top guy. Maybe it's three quarters. Maybe it's a 65th percentile, whatever, um, in call it, you know, ranking points, since it can't be just giving you war points because people like to use those for other reasons. There needs to be some kind of incentive for me to, to come in and play because I, I'm not afraid to say I leave matches all the time that are like that. Because it's like, why would I get out and probably die and probably be up against a bunch of proto people and my team is already cornered or something in an ambush match or even in skirmish and and just lose suits? And then I'm, I'm never going to make as much isk as the guy who's just been sitting around the entire match. It's not that people... Uh leave battles that they think they can't win, it's that they leave battles that they know they can't win, Kane. I know you said uh, you said that earlier. Um, and yeah, that's that's one of the reasons that the, when I play with my, my court, that's the reason that we leave battles is we'll get deployed in and there'll be a full squad of Sometimes maybe you know either full squad or like that eight um, uh, eight people from a uh, a known proto stomping corporation that will just come in and fucking steamroll everybody on the other side. They'll be the top six or eight places, and they'll be like twenty and zero or you know whatever something like something ridiculous like that. We leave those matches because we know that no matter what the fuck we run, we're not gonna win. And I mean, that's kind of my broken record statement, right, on the other side of the ball game is that there are a lot of competing problems in dust that lead to these uh, really severe uh, snowball situations, even with 16 versus 16. Um, and tier side will help a little bit with that. I'm hoping that once we once we open up the the can of worms and, and see that this limited tier side that we should be getting in the future is effective, um, that we get something that is just a little bit more emphatic. I, I know Jay's going to jump in here and, and say, well, not all the way. And of course not, again, as whenever we talk about this, it's not like we're trying to cut it. But like it, part of the reason why people won't play out matches is because the gear differential, the psychological gear differential, ends up becoming so high that there is no earthly reason to risk the investment of trying to turn around a match. Well, now, I, I will say this. Um, I think if you were going to take the logical extension, or at least and from my perspective, in my opinion only, if you took the extension of a lot of the things we've talked about, if you turned pubs into a you know non-team deploy and took away the... Uh, the eight-man squad option, where it was like four guys in a fire team, and then you metal locked it to like advanced or lower, or some you know some meta point you know kind of there, which is in theory how the matchmaking should work. By the way, um, I, I think I think that would probably be okay. I think my beef is when you start getting into that middle end zone of faction warfare, uh, which should be. I think more than what it is now and could easily be. And 
and the trick then is you make PC much, much more lucrative, uh, whereas Faction Warfare gives you a lot of the daily gameplay advantage, you know, the ge- gameplay type experiences that you might get from a PC-esque type match, uh, or it could anyway. And you get a lot of the community uh, advantages of the PC-esque type world, but you make PC much, much more lucrative uh, from an IS standpoint or, or whatever. Uh, I think if I were going to stratify how it works, I think that would be it. Now, as Lether pointed out earlier, and I will agree with him on this, matchmaking is symptomatic of perhaps other issues. For me personally, I would tell you that you can put almost any matchmaking formula in there, short of something that was a Sarizel like Troll. And if you had enough people, you could probably make it work okay. I think that would be my concern right now, is that you know any any moods of the community are so exacerbated by the uh, by the population count, it you know that might be throwing it off. Now I know I I think I've seen somewhere that they were saying here like this last week there were more people that logged into Dust you know this week than in the last six months or whatever. I, I, that's all great, that's awesome, but it's still apparently not enough people because if it was like three thousand people in a week that logged in and played X amount of time. That's over a 24-hour time period, over seven days of the week, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, no matter how many ways you want to slice it. So I think that's just, that's my take on it. I think there's a way you could get to it uh, where you could protect some people, but you really got to, I think at some point it's got to be very clear when they're not protected and then just like walk away and let, you know, let things happen. Well, I, I think, you know, while I'm not aware of any plans to, to meta lock pub matches, uh, clearly um, the new team to play system, like you mentioned, it, the the four man fire teams are locked for pubs. So with four man fire teams, while I'm definitely going to personally miss my six man squads, don't get me wrong, I, I think they are going to uh, give the player base the building blocks for better matchmaking and and hopefully that's going to sort of um help this problem that we're having with players quitting because one of the problems that we have is you can't get matchmaking to get it exactly right and it probably will never get it precisely exactly right but it's going to get it much better i think when the building blocks that they're using get no larger than four you're going to have to spread out the talent in the community a little more and you're going to you're definitely not going to see those six man stomp squads anymore you're going to have to see you know four man teams go off and go go up against more four man teams and if matchmaking's doing its job hopefully you'll get matches where it's all squads versus squads and then it'll kick all of the solo guys into their own match um, I, you know, maybe I'm giving Rattati's matchmaking system a little too much credit, but I'm hoping that that's the way it'll work. Um, so hopefully everybody's going to have a better experience when this, this team deploy system comes in and, and everybody gets, um, divided into their proper slots. So can, if I can, uh, open up a little bit of a sidetrack real fast. There's something related to this. How do you guys feel about officer weapons? I'm very interested in officer weapon drop, especially considering as we've there added to that. There are a shitload of them on the field. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, like fucking officer weapons everywhere. We'll tell you this much: there are there are at least thousands, if not tens of thousands, because of the way the war barges currently work and their passive component generation. There are thousands to tens of thousands of war barge uh, of war barge made officer weapons being put into the system. You see, this is this is why I wanted to ask this question because I'd like to know the the actual drop rate 
probably never will because CCP never actually publish anything, but please somebody, for the love of God, ask them to look at it. Because while I'm here talking about how Tyricide would be fantastic, uh, the irony is that we've got what seems to be a glut of officer weapons. And the officer weapons in and of themselves, the idea of a super rare, you know, super good weapon that you sometimes get um, and sometimes use is fine. But drop with the trading mechanics... Drop rates aren't a problem. It really is not. The problem the drop is, is the A, the war barge, and B, the strong boxes. They both generate right. huge amounts of... Uh, uh, officer weapons. I mean, in my entire time I played Dust since the game's release, I have not uh, gotten even, I don't know, one tenth of the officer weapons I got from Strong Boxes and the War Barge. I mean, it's insane. It, look, and the other thing is, you have to think about it. You have people that have been playing this game and generate and running that salvage loot table for two years. And these people, when trading went live, basically said you know there are some people like for me i like i will barely ever use an officer weapon and that's sometimes maybe in a pc on a blue moon uh so i would i had i think 800 or a thousand almost a thousand officer weapons uh officer or and or experimental weapons in my inventory that i'm never going to use so i go and i trade and sell that stuff to the market so that's officer weapons that get you know distributed to the wider community um i mean as these people use these weapons, they'll get taken down. My only concern is somebody sitting with, like, you know, a bazillion barges generating a whole bunch mess of weapons, you know, like, passively, without gameplay. Here's my problem. I expected it to be drained by now. I expected, like, obviously, no, market no, reallocation. I expected market reallocation... Nix the, the war barge thing for a second. I expected market yeah. reallocation to show us a lot of people using officer weapons and I expected them to be consumed. Now, there are some situations like the Victor's rifle, which keep people out of harm's way so well that, that are kind of questionable in and of themselves. Fails. But um, Thales, yeah, Same. clearly. Um, although I think Thales, uh, <laughs> for some reason, I think Thales might get taken out more often than, uh, <laughs> than Victor's because, because at least because people everybody hunt Thales. Everybody hates them. We exactly. suicide dropships into them, even though. I don't know. Anytime I see an officer weapon pop up on the field, take note of their name and then actively hunt them down that match. I don't know. That's what I do. I do too, but like, yeah, despite but all that. That happens, but it's the fails in the red line where you send like a whole squad will suicide into the red line just to get that fails, and that's been going on for years. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, jokes aside, the point is I expected to see usage rates drop off because in theory we would be consuming them faster than they were being demanded and consumed that that hasn't really happened whether it's an artifact of people trading them and the allocation rate like just keeping steadily up there but i really want to i really want to ask how many of these things are being generated ccp need to be asked how many of these things are being generated and how many should be being generated because i feel like what we many and it completely defeats the point of of any kind of tier aside much less any kind of tier based discussion because well, so are- well look we're hit you're hitting the mark right now but we're we're well over the i think the 150 day mark into the war barge cycle in which even if you've never put a dime into the war barge and all you've done is upgrade in such a way to get to the lab 
you probably you have a lab now that's generating warbarge components and if you're smart you would have upgraded your lab only to the extent that you need to not exceed your own warbarge component so that's each person who has a psn account who has three warbarge labs that's each producing either one to two uh, um, experimental and or officer weapons every day i mean you might even say that uh the the drop rate on the lab for officer weapons may actually be too high. I would say I actually get more officer, I've gotten more officer weapons out of the lab than Same. experimental. Yeah, my experience as well. I actually have like maybe five experimental weapons. It's, it's a grossly underestimated problem in the game right now, the passive generation for more barges, and it's something that needs to be nipped in the bud now before it actually becomes a pervasive issue because every day that passes, more and more war barge labs are getting added to the mix, and you can have 30 PSN accounts on every P, uh, on on every uh, PlayStation. And uh, Jadek Menaheim has actually posted how um, people you know use automation programs that are relatively easy to access and, and to go through and automate the process of accessing these war barges. So I mean, you could have literally someone generating one or two. Uh, officer weapons a day on third on one PSN you're looking at just an exponential number you're looking at uh, uh, hundreds every day hundreds every day of experimental or officer items that are then getting put into uh, the economy via trading through no gameplay whatsoever just by passive generation I think it's a huge problem it's under the radar right now and it needs to be addressed well, you I know, bet I think that's you're the talking... only reason we have 2,000 players, like everybody just collecting weapons. You know, <laughs> maybe something to that. The uh, w one thing I would offer is that what you're describing is, uh, you know, I, I think it's a problem. I think maybe some people don't think it's a problem, but it's also symptomatic of a bigger issue, you know, kind of power creep in general, which goes back to ultimately the tier side discussion. I I'll be very frank with you. I... You know, th I am I am a huge proponent of having a pro a deep progression system that allows you to feel, you know, like you're you're building your character and your inventory of stuff. You know, like your stuffs. But um, I think that at, at the point where we're at in the game right now, with the proliferation of proto gear, general, proto is the new standard if you think about it. Like people will will bring proto gear into pub matches routinely. It's not even it's you know it's not even a problem for most people, uh, or at least most I people. I suicide but. LAV with my proto suit because I don't care enough to switch. Yeah, I mean, so I, I I would I would tell you, and this is again, this is just me. I would rather them go to I don't I don't like the term tier side. I think it's more of uh, a side grade rather than an upgrade uh, type posture. So. If you want to have like assault well, rifles that's that what do tier side is. well, yeah, maybe not. It depends on what you're talking about. Like tier side, most people think of it in terms of suits, but think about it in terms Even of online tier side. Well, well, think think about your weapons. Like you have multiple styles of assault rifles. You know, just just the, the Galente plasma rifles, and all the way from militia to standard to advanced to to proto to experimental to officer. That. That's kind of ridiculous. You know, what if you shrunk that down to perhaps two you know, like two categories? You can have your officer weapons that are truly rare and, and they are out there that are 
a noticeable advantage. Uh, but then everything else, it's really a matter of slightly more rate of fire, slightly more range, slightly faster reload speed, but in like one category. And then you kind of pick it to whatever your play style is if you want to. I mean, I think, I, I think, like I said, people talk about tier side and they really focus on the drop suit, but that's really not the issue. Tier side across the board in terms of you know what is the aggregate effect of it that's really where the ball game is i think well i mean but at the end of the day though this game is very much a and like even the whole the revenue side of this game is very much driven by sp and leveling up and you know grinding for sp to then get the higher end gear um i think I mean, it has to. You have to be careful about it. You want to balance the game, yes, and you want to make it to where power level differences are are um, somewhat mitigated to a point. But at the same time, there needs to be a real benefit to actually leveling up your character. Otherwise, it becomes what's the point of me? Why? Why I took this? I took this gun to advance. Why do I proto it out? Oh yeah, yeah but I, I think my I think my point is, um, you know, one. I think it's there's a flawed system. I, I can buy that when we're talking about the skills. I'm totally in on that. And to a degree, I can buy that with a, you know, in a much more limited sense about the weapon. But there's absolutely nothing that would keep me, other than ISK, from using any other weapon. You know, there, you, you know what I'm saying? It's, I, think we're, I think we're hanging our hat too much on the progression of the ability to use a weapon. Because if you wanted to go to more of a, I... a WoW system and everybody's run, running around with purple gear, that's fine. But in those type of games where the, the items themselves are, are the cornerstone of the progression, you, you have basically game preserves where you can't proto-stomp, for lack of a better term. Like, you, you wouldn't be able to even bring proto into a pub match. If, if you know that's where we have diverted from how most of these games work in terms of leveling you know item based leveling if that makes sense there's a go ahead Cat. go ahead Cut all right i'll go, Cat Mark, uh, you go. <laughs> a while ago like a long time ago i came up with a system where basically you have a limited amount of i don't know nanites we'll call them nanites and the higher tier gear uh, costs more nanites, so you basically have a limited amount per match. Standard gear basically costs nothing. Prototype, you can bring like maybe two suits, so it's like a limiter. Yeah, like a uh, like a like a like a command point system they use in Warhammer. Yeah, like your squad or your your guy can only have like up to a hundred points, and now how you spend that hundred points is kind of up to you. Yeah, does that make sense? Is that right? So like you, let's say if you use up all your points, what you use frontline suits the rest of the match? Yeah, maybe. Yes, you used up your most powerful tool. Now you have to use what's left. That actually could be kind of funny. Hmm. I know that we talked <laughs> about like kind of a meta-based deck approach as well, which was kind of interesting. Instead of like trying to say you only have one hundred of the really nice thing or whatever, um, it's like you have this much, you know, essentially mana. Or whatever you want to call it, you know, this much limiting resource nice. to put into your deck. No, nice um, for magic. And and it's like it's just what people are uh, have on the field at a particular time. It's just like what's active. So if you know, too many of your people have too much nice stuff. But anyway, that that's kind of speculative. The thing I wanted to say earlier was just to offer an anecdote of the current situation. Um, Pokey and I both do this. I think uh, I play pub matches in standard gear 
almost all the time. I've always been a miser in this game. Uh, I've tried to actually go up to advance, and it like I just psychologically can't. Um, I've always been trying to to maximize my isk profit, which uh, unless you have a team of like six guys with proto. Um, has traditionally sat at the standard point. It's kind of gotten away from that as people have power crept a bit. But the thing to say is that my ability to kill people, and this is, you know, I have good SP. I have my core skills up to five. I have the skills for my guns and proficiencies up to, to four or five. Um, and, you know, I know how to play. I usually can't really kill someone in prototype gear with its standard rail rifle unless they screw up so royally that we'd all be laughing at them forever. <laughs> the time to kill is so high that often I can beat people in a gun battle, but the result of beating someone in a gun battle is they run away. Uh, it's They just have too much health um, compared to the damage. And, and that's really, for the new player experience, you know, I could stomach that because I've been playing for a while, I do it to myself, I know how the game runs. Yeah, for the new player, that's yeah. Oh, yeah, it makes me absolutely rabid. Like, look, slot, uh, flat, flattening slots is going to help with that, though. I think it really does. Like, yes. I'm afraid it'll help me, but not new players because I have all these core skills. I have knowledge of the fitting system. Uh, imagine someone getting into the game and they have all these these slots, and maybe they can put a few more standard modules in them and and stuff, and that's helpful. But uh, I'm interested in seeing the oomph, and I think that that disparity um, is what we've really got to try to get out of the system. Well, if I'm having well, that problem, then imagine well, at, the same, at the same time, at 750,000 SP a week, it's not necessary. It's not ridiculously out of reach to go from zero. Yeah, you're, you're talking you're, about a very extreme case, like the ability to get 750,000 more points in a week without boosters is redonkulous. Do we have a week? With new players, do we really have a week? No. Yeah, I think you've got a couple days. Correct. Well, again, that's one of the reasons that the, the, the matchmaker system especially is important for putting the new players with the new players initially off no, the outset. I'm with, I'm with you, but, you know, Lethar's is definitely on to something because in the course of a one 15-minute match, you can be nearly insta-popped by a Darth, you know, scrambler rifle, which I hate, like the Black Plague, uh, or... You can take an Apex suit that was specifically marketed to new players, you know, with your advanced co- or your, with your assault combat rifle. Put yes, an entire clip. Going to drop put an entire clip in the game. into yeah, they will because they don't know any better. But they but anyway, you could take that thing, and I've got the skills on the on the combat rifle. I think pretty much ma- I'm almost all maxed out. I mean, definitely damage proficiency up to five. And I could drop an entire clip of that into an Amar Assault running around randomly, literally, like get the total drop on him. And I can get him down to like, you know, 10 health or something, you know, like he's got 10% health left. He turns around he's and slaps me in the face. Well, that's, hey, look, that's why you got to switch to that sign arm about halfway, halfway to three quarters to that clip because you yep. didn't take it. Let me, let me know how that works in, in a Lodgy suit, bro. <laughs> well, and I mean, again, this is one of those cases where we can maybe muscle it out as long-term veterans, but the new player, like, having an expectation that they're going to notice switch their sidearm, that, you know, the the experience that you have in the first 30 minutes of playing or, or two hours or whatever can't be, I died 50 times and I figured out one thing that let me kill one guy. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's really a valid point there. Cause, I mean, like, like you're saying, like I'm SP inflated. I can make a standard suit perform pretty well just by SP alone. But new players don't have that. And when I'm fighting a proto guy, it, I you have to have a still a pretty significant difference in skill level to actually put the guy down. A new player doesn't have that SP advantage, so I mean, to them, they're going to go in and this guy's going to appear completely unkillable because he's been here longer. And I mean, that's and that's the perception, and, and they're going to say screw that and walk away because they're going to go. I'm never going. I got to play for how many months to to get to that point? A new player is not going to put up with that I unless they're a masochist. Remember. I actually remember back in close beta when I was a noob and I had low SP and I came up against a proto guy. Uh, this was back in the day of the Kaldari Assault, so everybody had shields. I dropped maybe one, one fourth of his shields. He turned around and wrecked me. And that's pretty much how it went on for the rest of the match. And that's how it feels. There are other yeah. ways to address this issue, though, as well, though. I think that one of the things, well, you have the meta levels, right? So um, something that I've heard before that I think would be worthwhile exploring is if you're in a lower meta level suit and you kill a higher meta level suit, you get a Warport bonus on that kill. Kind of akin to if when you're playing an RPG and you kill a higher level uh, uh, you know, NPC, your character, or what have you, you actually get more uh, experience points out of that action. Yeah, and this, actually, now that I think about it, this also opens up, like, orbital strikes. Like, people intentionally going for, st uh, using standard suits against prototype suits so they can get orbital strikes faster. That's yeah, strikes sh strike should be removed from pubs. <laughs> But but the, the thing is that even if you up the reward for doing it, if a new player comes in and feels like he doesn't have a chance, he, he's not going to care. I mean, if he goes in and, and a new player says, I feel like there's no way in hell I can actually kill this guy because the difference in our gear is so staggering, he doesn't care how much war points you're going to give him for getting that kill. It, it's not going to feel rewarding. I mean, if he has to throw... 12 suits to kill one guy, he's going to say, screw this. I mean, I'm not saying that the... To be fair, that one guy suit probably costs more than true, his 12 suits. True, <laughs> but, the, but the player perception is going to be so bad that they're going to say, screw this and walk away from the game. Well, look, the, the thing is, I think the avenue there is to go more for figuring out ways to drive players that are using proto gear to other game modes and discouraging their use in other and in, in lower quote unquote lower tier game modes than necessarily going out through and trying to make everything all samey with the pro with the uh, tier aside what would you guys think about another increase in the cost of proto suits is that worth it i mean on the one That's hand you like, talk about progression balance, you talk about balancing for Balancing for ISK is a, always a terrible way to go. There will always be someone who has I lots of I would like ISK. to point at Titans in Evil Line and tell me how that went. I mean, that's true. I, I wouldn't suggest as like the end all be all. And I've, you know, I usually talk about long term I, changes. I, I'll to the tell game. you what, if you, want, if you really wanted to go that route, I could actually, like, the, the, honest, this is, they will never do this. There's not a, the only way they would Ooh. do this is if they leapt to, leapt to literally a new console. I would zero out everybody's wallet, and then you change whatever you want. Because, but the problem is you, you can't really do it in stream right now. Um, honestly, if this thing moved uh, moved to another platform, I think maybe doing something to to flatten out ISK would actually not necessarily be the most atrocious thing ever. The only thought problem is that you could potentially have people buy a bunch of assets and then when they port over, you know. Well, no, I mean I like in in all I mean that's fair, but I, I think that 
I mean, really what I care about, you could start me over at zero, but I just want all the progression in the character to remain because then, because I can, I will fight my way back if I need to. But the problem is, and Pokey, me and him experienced this and maybe some of you guys have when, when we would, because we were a much, much smaller corp uh, and we back when OSG was actually, you know, of pretty viable PC corp and we would, we would merc guys out. We, we, we would do a lot of things like that on a much smaller scale, but we were a very viable team that you could put, put on the ground. What we had none of was a bank account. So basically what would happen is we would destroy people for the first like one or two matches. And then suddenly we were, everybody's running on fumes in their bank account. And then people would literally suicide proto suits into us. And, and there's nothing that we could, I mean, there's nothing you could do in a PC match. And we experienced that several times when we would be messing around with PCs and you've got teams out there right now, still to this day, even after the quote unquote death of passive income that could easily do that and not really think twice. Before PC even came out, before even passive is came out, you had teams, uh, especially like uh, imperfects back in the day, even when everyone was zeroed out and we didn't know and the money was zeroed out and everyone was kind of pretty much on even kill they could run proto gear consistently in in public matches there's always going to be somebody that can do it balancing yeah, on right, stop 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 everyone just stop 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 i'm gonna stop this conversation right because it's bloody boring and we've heard this all before in more recent news the ccp headquarters move has been confirmed by the way well it was a, it was a public it was in a public uh, icelandic article like weeks ago Yep, there we go. Oh, oh, what? Yep, CCP headquarters is moving. Where? Damn it, where? It's, uh, it's moving it's, from it's, one place, one place yeah, in Iceland to another it. place in Iceland. It's really not that big of a deal. Moving two kilometers down the road, bought themselves onto a uh, Icelandic actually, university. In the same city. It's, yep. it's actually in the same city, even so. Yep. It's even less. Well, doesn't Iceland have like like one city? Same city, within the same postcode, everything. So, yeah, bolting itself onto the Icelandic University, um, mostly for VR tech, basically. They want to increase their, I want to say, stranglehold on VR because, believe it or not, CCP are at the forefront of virtual reality, which is great because V Valkyrie is going to be awesome. Yay! Somehow I feel like VR is not going to pan out and they just spent millions on... That's know. what I expect. Yeah. I mean, aren't it's very you, cool, but Still, it aren't has... you the guy that was about to fucking spooge all over himself because of a faux Tron game that you played with Cross? It was a lot of fun. That doesn't mean I think it's going to be a financial success. I, th- I don't think you it, understand the amount of things that they're about, to, not just CCP, but that everybody else is about to try to do with VR. I, I still, <laughs> I, I just... I'm not even talking about the gaming industry it's, right now either, bro. <laughs> it's going to be... A, I think it's going to be a niche technology. It's it's going to be expensive. People aren't going to want to sp- spend that. The reason that, ga- the reason that games like World of Warcraft and League of Legends are as insanely popular as they are is because they run on six-year-old and eight-year-old computers. When you talk about a $400 peripheral, it's not going to go anywhere, even at half that cost. It's... It, sure, people like me, I'm gonna have one, but most people won't, and that's gonna, it's gonna, it won't be a mainstream thing. It'll be like 3D TV. Some people have them, but most people don't. That's a good point because um, high-end gamers, um, hardcore gamers, will have the VR tech, but the casual gamer won't necessarily buy into it because he's just here to have fun, play the game. The hardcore gamers who want this sort of experience will buy it. I agree with that. And you're only going to get so many sales of games to a limited crowd, like the you know just your hardcore gamers. 
and you can't hardcore gamers don't don't take free to play mechanics very well. You're like, forgetting, you're forgetting one thing. Software a, sells hardware. Have great software, it will sell the hardware. I'm a college Valkyrie student. I can't software. afford. I can't afford seven hundred dollars for for PS4 and a Morpheus like uh, on uh, the drop of a dime. A like chicken and egg thing because it, to create good software you but it's, need it's, to make it's, money it's, from it. It's yeah. not a chicken and egg thing. It's a very it's a very simple problem. It's expensive hardware to play a, a game doesn't sell uh, wide people amounts. People have. One thousand dollar PCs. People have four hundred dollar PS4s. If there yes, are yes, but we're talking about, we're talking it. about whatever cost they were already paying to play high end games because they're still going to need a PS4 or a high end gaming computer. And actually, if you if you look at the Oculus Rift specs, the minimum requirements for the Oculus Rift at launch is a GTX 970, which is a four hundred dollar card. Just for that That's one minimum part. Specs. The 980 is actually the recommended spec. I've yeah. been speaking to the um, devs at uh, Newcastle, and it's a pretty high-end spec uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah. you're talking, so you're talking at minimum a fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar computer. Um, plus, currently the DK2 is four hundred dollars. I'm, I'm assuming they would like to get that down to about two hundred um, by release, but I doubt they will. Um, it might be a bit cheaper if they're lucky. Um, so I I mean it's such a a high cost you're gonna gate out so many potential customers right right for that reason alone. I think what will be an even worse problem is that you can't just build a game and then tack on VR. You really need to build a game from the ground up for VR. So and Valkyrie well, is ground up. You can do both. I think actually in in the case of Valkyrie the mistake is being ground up because your problem is is that. If you look at uh, uh, Elite Dangerous and you look at Star Citizen, both of those games do or will support Oculus Rift. They will support VR. But you can play them, and more importantly, you can give them money whether or not you buy an Oculus Rift. However, with Valkyrie, their insistence that it's a VR-only title means you can only give them money if you have an Oculus Rift, which means it's it's a huge reduced potential customer base compared to games like Star Citizen or no, Elite no, Dangerous. No, no, it's not. It's a launch title for both the Morpheus and the yeah, Oculus. Yes, but the only way that their CCP is going to make enough money on that is if they maybe have like some sort of pre-release deal or, so, or like um, in-the-box deal, like you know Wii Sports with the, the Wii, basically that that Valkyrie comes with the thing and they get a portion of every single Oculus Rift sale because if it's up to whatever percent small percentage of gamers buy the oculus rift and then whatever percentage of the people that bought the oculus rift decide to buy valkyrie there's not going to be enough players to to pay back the amount of money that ccp's put into it you're seriously yep. underestimating the um power of uh the consumer with talking with their wallets i.e spending the money on the vr headsets it's going to be a bundle deal most likely with foculus and morpheus so i reckon uh, going to be higher there's there. a big big problem with that and you know what it is money no people can't oh. try vr you have to buy it before you try with 3D, I, you can just go to a theater and see for yourself. Yeah, but I, I think VR I, I, one, we're not going to solve this one here. Uh, I would offer that it, all this is somewhat academic until the first consumer version hits the street of any of this. Because here's the deal, like, and there's I, my personal opinion is I think all of you have a valid point from different perspectives, but the bottom line is going to be this. 
if it is done really well, people are going to buy it. And at some point, the price point will lower and they will become much more you know, invasive in terms of the market share. But if it's done very well, it will survive. If, if it is not done well, it won't survive. To, to Zell's point, yes, it, it will be tough probably for the casual gamers to get it. Uh, however, again, if the reviews are very good, and let's say Valkyrie knocks it out of the park or some other title does, um, that literally is the, is the tone setter for, for you know, the VR population for gaming. People, people are going to continue to invest in it and to the point where it is a vi- you can get it down to a viable price point. That's the, that is how markets work. And, and I can guarantee you this same discussion was had about shit like, I don't know, radios. Color TVs, Ataris, whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, but if it's good, people will buy it. If it's not good, people won't buy it. Now, what may be fair is that that, software that that takes millions of dollars to create. Yeah, sure. Okay. And almost everything that you walk around with as part of your natural life today, at some point, somebody was having this conversation about. Now, is that going to mean that, you know, VR or, you know, augmented reality or, or any uh, any one of the next progression of user interface mechanics is truly the next big thing? No, nobody really knows. And, and you're not going to know until people actually try it. So on that end, we will table this part of the discussion. And I think we're going to just about wrap it up. So. Folks, all right, before we roll into shout outs, uh, I did want to give a quick pitch out to the infamous or really the famous no HUD glitch that uh, Darth Carbonite found, put a YouTube video out. Uh, Jadek Menheim and a few others have been pimping it out to folks. So I really do recommend uh, just everybody, if you want to take a a couple minutes, YouTube no HUD glitch dust 514. It's really, really cool. It really gives you, yeah, it gives you a a totally different view of the game. It strips your HUD down. And then the only time you really get interaction is, I mean, you can see your rifle that you're carrying, but no reticle, no, no damage sensors, no map, no nothing. It is a whole different experience of the game. It's definitely hard mode. Uh, you still have aim down sights and all that kind of good stuff. I was incredibly surprised uh, the first time I saw that. Uh, you see it on the on the video. It looks really cool. And then if you can manage pulling the glitch off in the game, it you know not that I advocate anybody does glitching, nor would I actually know how to do it, nor that have I ever done it in Dust Five One Four. It is really really neat, and it it's on the border of a feature, not a glitch. I just throw that out there. True hard mode would be that plus uh, factual warfare. So we have friendly fire. So. Oh, you man, have to be, shoot oh, at people Jesus Christ, that'd be to legit. know if they're friendly, but they'll get damaged. Well, it makes it makes comms and being able to see the color of a dude's suit kind of important. This so. they need to make the ability to remove a HUD a thing, and they need a piece of equipment that you can have or a weapon that you can equip that makes it to where you don't have any your no arms. That would be fucking scary. Like you throw a grenade and it removes the HUD, and you have no idea who's friendly, who's enemy. Yeah, no, that'd be, just, that's E-War. I'd, I'd I'm, dig just, it. I'm just saying for, for one of the things that people who do happen to do Dust Machinima and have done Dust Machinima for a very long time have w- often wanted and requested and hoped to ha- actually get was an ability to just switch off the HUD and switch off your arms or have a piece of equipment that you don't have anything obstructing your view. So you're basically just a walking camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think you're that'd wrong. be pretty legit. All right. So 
uh, on that note, guys and gal, what we're going to do is we're going to start at the top of the list and we're going to knock out some shout outs. So in order to kind of get this ship on, on the, uh, you know, point in the right direction here, bait kind of lead us off with our shout outs, brother. Yeah, sure. Um, I'd like to give a shout out, uh, to our CPM two candidates, uh, who came on the show to have a chit chat with us. Um, always nice having, uh, having you folks on. And, uh, I would like to give a special shout out to, uh, the great destroyer from Grupo de Asalto Chacal. Um, I was in a match with him and, uh, after the match, I got some mail from him saying how much he uh, enjoyed the uh, the website and the podcast. So, dude, I know you're listening. Thank you. That mail made my day. I was having a shitty dust day and uh, really lifted my spirits. Thanks. What what was that player's name? I, the guy's name was uh, D D I Great Destroyer. Okay. All right. Uh, D I Great Destroyer. If you do me a favor, send another email to Bait with the phonetic pronunciation of your corp that would be really cool and that was my dog and what i'll also need is for zell to cough up some of his deep esk wallet to that guy uh for our shout out uh, since he doesn't really play dust and he doesn't have anything to spend esk on okay bam shout outs yeah just uh firstly an apology for just interrupting that conversation i just had to get it off that track because we've discussed it many times before and it's just going down the same Broken record or whatever. Anyway, shout outs. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, thanks for hearing me blabber around about reasons for whatever for the past couple of hours. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, cheers. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Thanks, Bam. Uh, Catmer. Shout out to my alt Aonamadi. Make sure he gets to the CPM so I get to see them. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. You're going to have to get your alt unbanned. Uh, okay. And Kane Sparrow. Uh, this is a shout out to all the people who are, uh, you know, taking the plunge to run for CPM2. May God help you. And uh, um, just a shout out to all the crazy people in the Dust community that continue to play and support this game. All right. Kane Sparrow for CPM2. Um, Lether. <laughs> um, so I think I might have done this a previous session, but I'd like to give a shout out uh, similar to the the guy from GAC. I'd like to thank all the guys at Biomast uh, for your continuing support of us actually having media. And the it might seem like in the short term that, you know, we we have these, you know, very close community. In the long term, I think that having some uh, media site really helps uh, lend an air of legitimacy to our community that we desperately need. So. All right, well, see. Yeah, What's much appreciated, man. Uh, just a collection so- of post-it notes. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's to to Zell and Pokey's credit, they have certainly made uh, our our website definitely much more than a collection of digital post-it notes, which is what it would be if I was in charge of anything on that website. And thank God I'm not. <laughs> um, okay, so Zell, shout-outs, brother. Um, I, I don't really have a shout-out per se this week. Um, I, I'm just gonna throw out this tidbit that I'm gonna be really like, um, really kind of. I'm kind of. I kind kind of a bit of a wreck this weekend um i'm actually um i'm giving notice to my my job tomorrow morning so um it's gonna be really really interesting for me so i i just figured i'd I'd just randomly share that and then i will give my i guess if i have to give a shout out um uh i'm gonna give my shout out to who deserves it i don't know who deserves it um bait deserves it he's he's almost beat pokey on on posts for the blog soon Oh Lord. Okay. Um, Pokey, are you available for a shout out? Yes, sir. Uh, shout out to the the biomass team, specifically the ones that are not me. Uh, 
thanks to Zell for writing the questions and getting those uh, interviews formatted and posted. I've had a, a really good time reading all the other candidates. I didn't so. do all the I didn't do all the questions. I did some of the questions. Okay, well, for 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 you and and all who helped uh, getting those up, it's been interesting to read those. And a shout out to Jay and Bate for uh, doing the interviews. That they're again very interesting. Uh, good to hear the viewpoints of other candidates, and I look forward to you guys uh, sending me through the gauntlet one of these days. Absolutely, brother. Um, okay, so SMB. Uh, yeah, I'd like to throw a shout out to um, all the people out there who have been supporting Team Deploy since the beginning. Uh, the time's near, and um, you know, in, in order for us to get this right, we're going to still need uh, you guys to do a little more work, get on the forums, let uh, the developers know that you want to see Team Deploy and Faction Warfare, full 16-man Team Deploy and Faction Warfare. Uh, and I don't... Boo. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd also like to give a shout out since we did some CPM things today to uh, everybody out there who uh, got me on the council last year. Um, it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, whether or not I'm on CPM two or not, it, it doesn't matter as far as, you know, uh, you guys, you know, again, putting me in this position to at least do it for a year. Um, I'd love to do it again, but uh, it's been a great year. And I thank all of you for your support. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and hanging out with us for a little bit. Zarya? Do I really uh, deserve a shout out to considering that I'm barely here for the show? Mostly. You're here more than Zell. Fair enough. Hey, hey, um, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I gave an update at the beginning. I, I talked about the Oculus thing. I was here. And then, okay. Sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, okay, well, please. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, regardless of that. Um, well, um, have to give uh, the obligatory shout out to my to my corp because you know they keep me in the game um and to everyone else who you know keeps logging in and playing dust because that's what we're here for so shout out to I'll everyone there the yellow horn. oh my god okay all right uh so i'm jason larison and i am one of the co-hosts here and i'll be wrapping this up with a couple quick shout outs so uh let's see shout outs to my Warhammer 40k uh, aficionados that are within the Dust community, of which, by the way, CCP Rattati is one. Uh, so that's like our, our geek and nerd nerdgasm going out. Shout out to Doctor Who. Uh, huge fan of David Tennant, even though that's one of the older doctors. My my son has discovered Doctor Who. I've never watched Doctor Who other than only if it was in the, on in the room, but he's now got me hooked. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And he keeps trying to refer to his room as the TARDIS, which I... Can't really mess with him on that. Uh, let's see. Shout out to all of the people that were bitter vets at some point and then suddenly have become invigorated about dust again. And they're trying to help CCP Rattati and help the community continue to make the game work. Uh, so Thank to all five of you. Yeah, that's about the right count. Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, so on that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and kind of steer this one down. And I appreciate everybody being here for episode 60 of Biomass. It was a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be, which is kind of par for the course, though. So the last thing I'm going to leave you with, if you haven't looked at it recently, today's the 10-year anniversary of the one and the only Leroy Jenkins video. Leroy and Jenkins. And, and and I highly recommend everybody go ahead and take a look at that one because that's one of the, uh, the probably the most influential memes that we've had in the uh, in the gaming gaming world. You know, 
at least in 10 years since it's been out. So on that note, guys, episode 60, we're going to draw that one to a close. So good night and good luck. Bye.